of the big things about hiring salespeople is it's an aspirational thing. And it's also a thing that people think oh. will solve their problem when they're in the early stages and it won't because they generally have a, a marketing or an offer or a messaging problem, but they think that it's, I suck at sales, therefore I'm not converting. So I just need to hire a salesperson, then I will start converting. But that's a logical fallacy that a lot of early founders have, end up making instead of being like, uh, oh, I'm not converting. It's probably because my offer sucks or my messaging is not working or it's not differentiated enough to, to hit hard. So here's a big question. As a digital marketer, how can we accelerate our business with extreme momentum without all the turbulence and time suck? And how do we do it in a way that changes the lives of everyone around us? That's the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Chad Kaderi, CEO of Dashclicks, and welcome to Marketer's Mindset. Hey guys, welcome back to another Marketer's Mindset podcast. I'm your host, Daniel. I'm the content director here at Dashclicks. And today I have another cool guest. We have Mike Mark uh, of Coaching Sales all the way out from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. My, uh, Mike, thanks for coming on. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you inviting me. I'm excited to jam with you today. Yeah, we're going to have a good time. So what is it that you actually do and how do you make revenue? Yeah, so um, pretty much people come to us whenever they need to hire a sales rep. That's the combo that usually occurs is like, ah, shit, I'm taking so many sales calls. I need to hire a sales rep. And then someone will usually just be like, yo, you guys got to talk to coaching sales or you got to talk to Mike Mark. And then that's kind of when we come into the game. And um, what we do is we just help founders get off the phones and scale up their business really fast. That's cool. So is there a certain point where um, you need to have a client come like be at, like they have to have some sort of sales process or could they come to you? before they even start? Yeah, so uh, our criteria to play sales reps are you need to do 10 qualified appointments per week, a 20% close percentage. Generally, we need a product that's $2,000 or more. And then that's gonna put someone in most cases right around like a 20 grand a month clip, but usually they're between like 20 and 80, depending on the pricing of the model. Um, and then at that point, that's when we tag in and help them get off the phones and start to scale things up. Oh, interesting. So when did you start doing all this? Uh, it's been about six, seven years almost. It just kind of uh, happened. Like I fell into this. What? How did you? How did you just fall into like sales coaching? Um, so when I graduated college, I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. I had studied entrepreneurship at Boston University, which is like a hilarious joke. I kind of equate it to uh, getting a degree in parenting but never having a child, right? So. <laughs> And like the, my, my business strategy professor never worked in a corporate environment ever. She was always in academia. Um, same with like my marketing professor. We like, I got thrown out of a class for arguing with him about something. And it's just like, oh dude was never a marketer. He was a behavioral economist. And like, they just don't know what they're talking about at all. So I graduated a little bit early and I, I, uh, I, I wanted to start my own business. And I actually had already started a business and failed one in college. And then uh, I came to my dad with this whole game plan. And uh, he, when I graduated, he, was, he just started laughing at me. I'm like, what, what, what do you mean? Why, why, what's so funny? Like, thanks, he, was like, he was like, you're cut off, dude. You don't get it? I'm like, what, what do you mean I'm cut off? He's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I mean, no money, honey. No you're cut way. off. And then I was like, oh, shit. Because I just kind of had always grown up like um, 
like my my dad came from nothing and built himself up and he had uh kind of taken the approach of like giving us everything he never had as a child mm. and so we grew up in a sense with like a silver spoon in our mouths and it just kind of um like almost made us like learn helplessness <laughs> kind of like we're we're functionally useless at that point and uh you so were forced to like make something out of yourself yeah yeah in that that moment at that moment i was like so pissed at him i i like i couldn't believe he wouldn't help me but you know now looking back on it 10 years later it was like the greatest thing that had ever happened to me for sure god that's funny man yeah. well it seems like you're doing better now <laughs> yeah yeah and, and well so at that moment he gave me a piece of advice and uh he basically said uh you got to figure out how to pay your own bills now and i'm like well how am i supposed to do that and uh he goes well you have two options you can get a job or you get a career if you get a job you can build a business at night if you get a career it's going to demand all of you and so i was like okay cool well i know i'm going to get a job and build a business because a career is not for me and he said okay well if you go that route you have to first learn how to serve second learn how to sell third learn how to build systems and he said if you can do those three things you have the keys to the kingdom and Dude, so you, you like your dad's like a mentor that you were just that you just have that was that's really yeah you're lucky to have that really lucky man like um and and i don't take it for granted either because like uh the thing was my mom worked corporate she could never take me to work so i always saw my dad building businesses and i would ride around with him as a little guy yeah, so yeah. And, and like when i was in first grade the teacher asked me what do you want to do and i said be my own boss you know what i mean like i already knew from the jump that this was what i was going to do um and so when he when he he told me that I, I almost like I took it as a curriculum in my postgraduate studies, right? Like the school of hard knocks was where I went to go learn this stuff. And so I thought like, where can I learn how to serve? I grew up in Orlando. I've always loved like resorts, just something about resorts and hotels and especially like the design. And the, I think they're totally beautiful. Yeah. Um, We're in that area so where I have, you have, you have like really beautiful hotels and designs and resorts. Yeah. And like when you grow up, like Universal is five minutes from a house. Disney's 15 minutes from a house. And so when you see like what people can imagine and create, it just inspires you on a level. Yeah. And so I started working in boutique hotels and then uh, I actually applied for a front desk job and they told me I wasn't qualified. And so I had to start as a valet bellman. And then I went from bellman to front desk to front desk manager to concierge. And then I got like pretty good at that whole game. And I was just like, you know what? I'm tired of being like broke and cold all the time because I was in Boston. Yeah. Um, and so then at that point I went to go sell timeshare. And um that was where I like I cut my teeth and learned how to sell hardcore. And um then at that moment I like after a while I just didn't believe in the product anymore. And it gets super draining when you're selling something that you don't believe in. You just it's, yes it, you'd almost rather not have a job and it's like, like painful. It brutally is like I remember I walked into my boss's office at one point and he said something to me he said uh get your shoulders out of your ears and like is because i just carry so much tension and stress that i didn't realize my shoulders were all the way up yeah um oh, and man. and so i was like you know what i gotta dip out and at that point i'd already gotten pretty good at closing and like sales and i just knew the game um and then i was just one day like i took a bellman job to hold me over in the meantime and i was scrolling and then i saw this post that said uh, hey i'm looking for a sales rep for an agency and wow. I was like, I think I could do that. And this was like, this was, you know, seven years ago, it was a completely different game. Like, uh, it, 
the the access to high ticket coaching, the prevalence of high ticket coaching wasn't there. There were no closer training programs. There was nothing like it was just everybody was making it up at the same time. Because what was kind of happening around 2016 was the seminar game started to realize, wait, we can do this stuff with webinars and ads. And so these guys who used to sell from stage and do the whole like tour based sales stuff started to move it into internet marketing more and more. Um, and also like the technology had started to be at that level where it was now fast enough and easy enough. Cause before you had to have a whole team of devs and it was like a yeah. clunky process. So you kind of so, got into that trend right before it, right when it started happening. Yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right when it started happening. And, um, and so then that was it. Like it was just, it, it was a Crazy. total chance encounter almost, you know, it, that's typically how I sort of, everyone sort of has similar stories in that way. It's like, you don't nest. Now you might be a little different because you got to sort of like, I want to be a business owner. And I think everyone sort of has that itch inside of them in some degree. Um, but I feel like a lot of people fall into it. They, it's sort of like at the right moment, something happens and you just, yeah. you're like now an entrepreneur. It's just like birth by fire kind of thing. So yeah. you're now doing this, like who, do you have a niche or like an avatar that you go after? Um, I mean, most of the time it's going to be like a high ticket service based business. So a lot of it are agencies, coaches, consultants, and we'll also do like high ticket SaaS, which is kind of considered mid touch SaaS. So like a three to 10 K a year SaaS product works really well with what we do. Yeah. And those are the main types of people that we really focus on helping. How many team members do you have? Um, so right now we're at like 20 some odd. So yeah, we actually, uh, we were upwards of 45, 50 ish, but we've, I've been restructuring and kind of changing products. And so we've, we've shrunk back down to be a little bit leaner and, and stronger. Sure. I feel like when you simplify things, it makes things just way more clear. We've yeah. Yeah. And that, 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 like we had, we had scaled really fast and we started adding a lot more products. And then I, I think like, um, my, my wife does bodybuilding. So it, it helps me understand. And I, I, I look at that almost as how businesses work, right? Like you have a bulking phase and a cutting phase in bodybuilding in order to get to the end target outcome. Yeah, so you'll go sense. between these and it's like you, you have an expansion and then a contraction, expansion and contraction. And you just try to ultimately design the business like exactly the way you want to line up with your, like f- your end goal. I feel like you can't be afraid of failure doing that. Cause I, I feel like you, uh, Elon Musk does that when he was doing SpaceX, like he, embrace failure because that's when he learned everything yeah it's so much traction from not being able to fail and then applying that to the next one and the progress they would make was like leagues ahead well i I think a lot about natural selection right so um Mm. and like i did i designed natural selection into all our businesses and if you look at like the process of natural selection i remember i was in jamaica um and they the turtles had just hatched and they were running to the ocean and you kind of watch that whole like it's it's almost like the circle of life moment right and you're watching them get to the water and you're watching like some of the stragglers never make it and the birds will pick off some of them and yeah. like you you watch that whole journey and you realize like what nature does is it produces more than is necessary and then it trims down to get the best solution that's right good so yeah. And that's what we do with ads, right? Like I'll make a ton of creatives on ads. I'll put them all out there to find the one that hits the hardest. And then I focus the ads or when we ramp sales reps, like I don't just put one rep in at a time. I put three on the 30 day trial in order to land one. And so uh, and like, yeah. like someone once told me, 
um, if you bat 350, you go to the Hall of Fame, meaning like if you ramp sales reps and one out of three land, then you're going to the Hall of Fame. And that's usually what our number is, like one out of three. So um, like I think a lot of times entrepreneurs just think that like I'm going to do one thing and it's going to work and then it's going to be a hit. And it's not always a hit and you don't know why it's not a hit, but. Or like you try one thing and you're just like, doesn't work. Let's move yeah. on to the next thing. And you're like, oh man, you really got to commit to something. Yeah. You know, all this yeah, stuff doesn't just happen overnight, which I think is a misconception of people thinking, I'm going to take this course. I'm going to jump into it. You might have everything you need to know, but they're expecting like these multi-million dollar results in like a week, you know? Of so course. It's really, it's really interesting with um the ease of information to get but the effort is still there you still have to put it in so what how is, many active clients do you have uh i mean we've worked with at this point over 700 people so wow yeah, yeah we're, within I 10 mean, years pretty much uh in like it has really been primarily in like the past three four years um and we work with like pretty much a lot of the biggest names so like uh, I helped Taylor of Traffic and Funnels get off the phones and scale their sales team. Uh, I've worked with, you know, a Andrew Argue. I've worked with yeah. um, uh, Tyler Narducci, worked with clients and community. I've worked with like uh, Alaric Heck, and they're always on our ongoing stuff. Todd Brown and the team over at MFA. Todd Brown, yeah. Yeah, like, like we've... I, We've been around like Suzanne Evans and the team over at Driven. They're super legit in the speak from stage community. Um, and so, yeah, like we've, we've done a lot with a lot of the big names and, and um, like it, it, the big thing to me is like, I, I optimize our business. And, and like, I think for anyone watching this, like one of the big things I, I want to encourage you is to, to figure out like, what's the metric you optimize your business for. Um, and so, so for us, like, I optimize our business very heavily for net promoter score, right? I want that more than anything because like reputation to me is more important than revenue. Um, and, and I believe in building a long-term asset and I believe in creating customers for life. Not, just like, a, not just like a short-term profit maker that has no foundation. Yeah. And I think that that happens a lot when people are getting into the agency game and they, or they're getting into the coaching game is that, that the money comes fast Right. And so a lot of people don't realize that this is a long game. Like you got to treat it like a marathon. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. um, it, you can burn through your market really quick and then you don't have anybody to sell anything to because they don't trust you anymore. And trust is the foundation <laughs> of everything. Right. Like if you have trust, everything becomes significantly easier. If you don't have trust, everything's significantly harder. So that's why we, we really like will intentionally slow growth to make sure that the product stays at a certain level of quality. And I had a lady that I, I spoke with last week, which I thought was pretty cool. She was in, um, she's in talking Moore's community boardroom and she was like asking around and she's like, I've never talked. Uh, like she was talking to customers before she worked with the provider. Yeah. She's like, I've never talked to someone in this space whose reputation was as good as yours. And I was like, that's pretty awesome. And well, that means you know a lot to me. I know there's a lot of people out there that do similar things to what you do and they have good reputations, but I feel like, and you probably are going to agree with this. I feel like there's an ocean of just randos out there that yeah. just have horrible reputations, especially in sales. I think it's really difficult to build that reputation in sales because um, sales basically is you're just talking and anyone can do that. And anyone can claim that they got this sales thing and it could just be like old, 
I love Jordan Belfort, but you know, like old Jordan Belfort, just like yelling at the guy until he caves in kind of stuff, you know, it's really yeah, interesting, yeah. but. And I think, I think um, by nature, salespeople, like the vast majority of salespeople are not very analytical in their thought processes. Um, and so they tend to build, like they're, they're a lot more creative right brain style people, which if you're creative and right brain, it, you either need to compliment yourself with someone who is more left brain and organized and helps you keep a business that runs well and smooth. Um, but there's, there's a small group of people out there that are both hyper analytical and emotive. And that's sort of like a natural advantage just in how my mind works that like my team calls me data man and I'm very like analytical and engineering and how we build stuff. Um, and, and you'll see that a lot of the folks that do have good reputations will tend to have that strong marriage either in the, the founder or they'll have a good compliment to them so that they counterbalance it. Yeah, exactly. So like what, what does your pricing model look like? I know you touched on this a bit, but like how does just a little more in depth, how does that look? In your business yeah so the the kind of product we're most known for is called scale your sales and so with scale your sales that's where usually that like 20 grand a month or the 80 grand a month person is trying to get off the phones um so we place four proven seven figure sales people in seven days guaranteed and then from there we help them with the onboarding training and coaching of the reps to make sure the reps ramp and lock in and we guarantee yeah. that they'll land a rep in kpi um and so on that's, that, a, that's we, a bold statement yeah, yeah, I mean, we do it consistently. So, wow. uh, and and we offer like a 30-day total satisfaction guarantee and we'll continue working with them until they get it just to make Dude, sure. Who, but who does that? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Then, but great. at the end of the day, that's that's what I mean. Like re reputation is more important to revenue for us. And and um, so on that, generally the way the pricing model works is we either charge 10K paid in full or 4K times three. So upfront, 30 days and 60 days. And then it's a... It's a 90 day ramp. And then a lot of people will flip into like an ongoing or they'll keep being repeat customers. And do you have like a value ladder? So like, I guess the point is you can make more sales, they hire more reps. It goes up your, if you have one value ladder at all. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of repeat purchases in what we do, right? Because once you get one rep, you scale your ads and you want another rep, right? So we get a lot of repeat purchases. Like um, this month, pretty cool, actually, we have uh, one of our clients, her name's Carwana, and she teaches people how to get government contracts. But she uh, went through Scale Your Sales, came back to us again, and then bought Scale Your Sales. And uh, her reps have been on the phones for two weeks, and one of them's already closed two 30-gate deals. So like um, that, like it's for a 10K investment, you pop out the other side like that. It's pretty Jeez. much an easy no-brainer. And like- It's fast. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's it's- pretty cool but like a lot of our clients do come back to us and then we have um like for example we have a year-long agreement with unlimited recruiting for teams that scale really big so that's where like ad outreach they worked with us they went and tried a bunch of other different people and then they came back and they're like all right we know all our top reps are your guys's people that you play so we're just gonna sign up for a year-long recruiting they're like our budget's a lot smaller now because we, we just spent it on the wrong people <laughs> Yeah. Right. Um, God, no, I mean, but you, each person's got their own thing and that's, that's oh, where sure. like, you definitely want to, you want to find the right match for you, but, and, and everybody is really good at certain things. And like our unique kind of point of difference that we've always focused on is we don't place reps unless they've closed a million dollars as a consultative salesperson, because I'm a big believer that uh, early stage founders don't have the time to teach someone how to sell on their dime. They need to find someone who already knows how to sell and they're teaching product market and like understanding of the the offer, understanding of the market, 
And that's a way easier learning curve in most cases if your product suite's designed properly. So then we can ramp them way quicker. And so that's where like, we don't have a biz op that teaches people how to become a high ticket closer because I'm a big believer that the person who buys that product isn't fucking good as a high ticket closer. So, um, and, and we try and focus more on like, sales people even i don't even like the word closer because i think that uh yeah the word closer means that i just show up take a call close the deal and leave and, and they think it's that simple yeah and it never is right mm -hmm. and so I, I believe the the best people they're really focused on on being a sales professional right and they consider themselves sales pros and they'll call themselves a sales person um, and, and I think that like when you're new, you want to be a closer, but once you're a closer, it's more like, no, I want to be a sales pro. Like I want to be at the highest level. Right. It's almost like you're a drop shipper or you're an e-commerce brand. That's a great example, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good example, right? So like becoming yeah. a drop shipper is like becoming a closer, right? And then once you kind of get it, then you're like, I want to level up to become an e-com brand. And that's where you're like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a sales. You don't even have the skills to even transfer over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You just basically pumped a bunch of money through Facebook ads in the basic sense. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, what's yeah. like the what's like the number one thing that generates you the most revenue? Um, scale your sales for sure. That that's the product. Wow. Well, that sounds pretty awesome. But also the, the product sounds extremely irresistible when you present it to someone. Just the quick explanation you gave me, um, guarantees and we insert this and it's just streamlined and it's straightforward and then you have this client that got this huge contract in two weeks which sort of seems impossible especially with government contracts i have no idea anything about government contracts but it just seems impossible you know yeah and and one of the things though that's like really important to emphasize on this is is um i think a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to figure out the offer right and the offer is super important yeah. but what we figured out was a really fucking good product and then when you have a really good product, you can make a really good offer, right? Mm -hmm. And so, so and, and we don't fall in love per se with the product. What we did, like, at least for me, part of why I did this and like what led me here was um, I get bored extremely easily. That's like my gift and my curse in a lot of ways. And um, <laughs> yeah, and, and I feel like any entrepreneur can, you know what I mean? And so um, I get just super bored very easily and building sales teams was the hardest problem I've ever had to solve up until this point. It was like so agonizingly hard that, uh, it, it makes and allows for you to get obsessed with the actual problem, right? So you don't get obsessed with your solution per se. You get obsessed with the problem and continuing to solve the problem better and better and better and better and better and better. And better. And as a result of just like an obsession of trying to figure out how to solve this problem as reliably, consistently, and as good as humanly possible, it allowed me to build an offer that became like very predictable in the performance. And so it then lets me make really crazy offers. On Add the those claims, right. Exactly. Yeah. Because it, it does sound a bit too good to be true because most of the time you're dealing with people that insert an untrained person into your company. And then it kind of like, now we got to start from zero. Anyways, you're just paying me to like join your team essentially. Yep. So like what strategies do you have to kind of start conversations with clients? I know you're, I mean, by now you probably get inbounds and referrals and stuff, but what are like other strategies you use to kind of just start the conversation with the right prospect? I'm a big believer in ads. Just spend a lot of money on ads. Um, <laughs> 
You know what I mean? Like we, we, uh, I've always run ads. One of my things, whenever I, you know, teach anybody about advertising and how to do it well, is just rule number one of ads is don't turn your ads off. Right. Like the, the, the novice is always like a very emotional turning them on and off. Five dollars. Change, the, yeah. change the word. Five dollars. 200, 200 bucks. Stop working. Click off. And like, so you just always <laughs> want to constantly be running ads. And a big part of what makes ads work is the long-term effect of them. Um, you know, like Eugene Schwartz talks about it in breakthrough advertising where he's like advertising is like a fog that envelops your marketplace. Mm. And so it's, it's not necessarily like a, straight line like everybody wants ads to be like dollar in five dollars out which it is on a more macro view but that has a lot to do with you shaping perception over a long period of time and like there are people out there that will see your ad be like damn that's good offer i'm just gonna wait three months to see if they're still in business or i'm gonna wait a year to see if they're still in business or i'm gonna wait six months to see if they're still in business and once they see you're not running that anymore they're like oh yeah that must have been a shit show you know they'll they'll stop even considering it it's almost like the people are marketing the results based on the ratio, not the actual numbers. So there, it's not necessarily five people saw the ad, one clicked and one bought. It's like 500,000 people saw the ad. And this is the conversion rate, which is a, you know, five times back, one to five ratio, so on and so forth. And you're like, oh, perfect. How come my, my ad that I just boosted on Facebook isn't producing anything? Like, yeah. It's crazy how... Um, it just sort of seems like a lottery game. You put 500 in, you see if it works. And if it doesn't, you're just like, turn it off. That's not part of my business model. I'm just going to re- re- um, rely on referrals or things I can't control. So if you run a lot of ads, you probably have a lot of automations. So like, what's like your number one automation you have that probably, you know, you can't really run your business without you because it just saves you the most time. Oh, um, interesting question. <laughs> Um, let me come back to you on that. Cause that's a good question, but I, I'm, I like, I didn't have an immediate, oh, that's it. Yeah. Usually sometimes people are like, oh, for sure. My, I get a lot of email stuff. It's usually like, oh, my email list is the thing. I did a couple of like YouTube, um, creators and they're like, honest, that, that actually probably is it. So, so in the early days, um, I don't remember, I think it was Perry Marshall where I read this, but uh, it, he said something like, I view every email that I write and put in an autoresponder as worth $10,000 a pop. Um, and so I would just write a ton of emails and I, I built this like 40 to 50 day email sequence where it, once I get on the list, it mails daily for 50 days. Um, and that thing has made it rain for sure. Yeah. But, I feel like the biggest conversions you could produce typically come from your email list because that's just like the warmest pool in your audience that you can just kind of dip your toes into. So maybe to rephrase that, what's like a CRM you use to manage all your leads? Um, well, again, that depends a little bit. So uh, we, I primarily sell heavily out of clothes. I just like it. It's the fastest and best performing like inside sales tool that I found. Um, and then we, we use, so right now we're currently in using active campaign, but I have a client of ours named Travis Ketchum, mm. who um, he built something that's a, an alternative to active campaign. And we're in the process of moving over there. Cause we, I, like I have a couple of buddies who have their lists on there 
and it like the open rates are unlike anything I've ever seen. It's pretty mind boggling. Like he gets, wow. he gets regularly 70% open rates on that, which like, it sounds crazy, but like, like, you know, us like a good email will do 30, 34% open rates on active campaign. Yeah. Um, and like, like a shit emails, eight, 9%. And then like our average is 15, right. On that stuff, the floor is 28, 30%. And then they'll go upwards of 40. So we, in our email list, like we do a really good job of managing our email list. And like, we're, I, we have a very intentional strategy with email. We're very on it. And um, so it's like per engaged subscriber, we generally make a thousand dollars a year, which is obscene. Um, and so we're probably going to move over there because just if I can double my open rates, it, it probably won't double the sales, but it will at least give me a good nudge in the right direction. Right. So I, I know you run a lot of ads that you were saying. And so you probably run a lot of retargeting ads to really just kind of stay in the forefront of everyone who's seen you, seen you maybe once or twice before, but what does your sales process look like? So if someone's interested, are you doing Zoom calls? You know, how many calls does that usually take you to turn someone from, hey, I just heard about you or, or cold into a client? Yeah, so um, good question. There's a few things. Uh, the sales process, what's really fascinating is, I, so I prefer sales calls. I just like to be able to walk around and not have to like sit and talk to someone. So I prefer the phone, uh, but we particularly call out a close. But what I've noticed is, since COVID, everybody expects Zoom links. It's really weird. Like, yes, pre-COVID, pre-COVID, if you had a Zoom link, because we would do, and we had teams that would do Zoom links, everybody was expecting a call, and they'd be like, they'd never see the link. The no-show rates on Zoom calls were way higher, and and it was crazy. Now, if I don't have a Zoom link, everybody's like freaking out. Like, where's the Zoom link? And yes. it's like, if you put your fucking phone number in the, the thing, like <laughs> it says location, your phone number, and they're freaking out about a Zoom link. But so that's, that's been like a really weird novel thing that I've noticed in, in the past year. Well, I can relate. Like before that, it was like, Hey, are you joining? And they're like, yeah, I'm waiting for your phone call. You're like, Oh no, no. The, the Zoom link in the meeting. And they're like, how do I, you know, when they're like really close to the screen and they're like, they're like, where's, can you see me? Can you <laughs> yeah. hear me? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I, I guess COVID sort of helped the sales with Zoom calls because it really, I mean, I think Zoom just like doubled their revenue. So oh yeah. I mean, like everyone uses it. It really forced people to learn how to use it too. Okay. Yeah. A couple of beefy questions. So how much revenue ha have you generated in the past 12 months? Uh, two mil is where we're at. That's pretty, that's pretty great. Congratulations. And then what's like a real, so where you're at now, like what's a realistic goal you see yourself in 12 months from now? Um, I'm actually intentionally downscaling revenue and like way increasing our profit margins. So oh. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm doing the opposite. Uh, so like I said, we're our team, I'm, I'm shrinking the team intentionally and like getting way leaner and making the product better with less people. Yeah. Um, and, and so we'll probably do somewhere around like 1.5, but double last year's profit or more. That so, is a yeah. really interesting answer. I haven't really heard anyone think of it that way. Cause usually everyone's just like, if I have a spending problem, I just need more money, not necessarily just spend less. 
Yeah. And, and well, the thing is, um, I, I think a big part of it is like, uh, I'm a big believer that your business should serve your life, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. my, my daughter's two and she'll be in school in probably, you know, two to three years. And so I would much rather have a fun, easy to run business that's hyper profitable and lets us go on adventures. Like when she's a, in the first year, she doesn't do anything. You know what I mean? She's just there. Like in, in, in there. the first the first year for a dad is is like it's not our year. Right. Yeah. Our year comes when she's two. You can take her out. She can play like, go like to the you park, can't break her. Stuff. You can like throw her. I have a yeah. I have a two year old and a five year old. I know what you, I know what you mean. So it's yeah. nice when you have it's not it's nice when you don't have, design a business that you just feel like you're trying to keep up with all the tasks and you're starting the business for the reason not to do that. And then you have like a two and a five year old like I or in your case, you have a two year old that are just kind of like sitting there by the door, like, dad, I want to come play. You're like, I have to like take care of this client, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, so that's, that's kind of like for us, my, my wife and I, when we met, we traveled around the world together for two years and then we settled down and had the baby and everything, but we, we kind of want to be able to take her on some really cool adventures, like do longer travel, do more immersive stuff let her start to see the world early and give her a lot of exposure. Yeah. Um, and it's way easier to do that, you know, when they're not in school and you're not dealing with all that stuff and you're not relegated to just summer travel, you know? Well, you'll, you also see like you start meeting new parent friends and they're in school. And so it's, it is like, it's difficult for us to kind of go do long extended trips because it's so, especially even moving it's kind of like, we're so grounded. Where do we want to like tear the bandaid off when they're older or when they're younger? So it's it yeah. gets kind of complicated, but you kind of answered the next question, which was like, what do you need to change to like get to that point? But you kind of touched base. It's not necessarily increase the gross sum of revenue. It's really just increase your profit margins. And that I guess would be just minimizing the cost and effort going into what you already have. Yeah, and, and also what we've been playing with are just um, uh, making our sales process more efficient, meaning that like um, the, I'm weird, I like sales calls, right? So like, I think there's, I think there's a couple of camps of entrepreneurs. There's the one person who like sales calls energetically train them and the person that would like talk all day given the opportunity and yeah. I'm in that ladder boat. So um, I just like talking to people. I like learning about their business. I like helping solve problems. I just, I thoroughly enjoyed the process. Um, and so, and, and I, I was a big believer in the early days of like, talk to as many people as possible. Even if I can't help them, if I point them in the right direction, yeah. it will come back to me in ways that I can't even predict. I can agree. Right? Like, like I just, if I help them and maybe I point them to a resource, they come back and buy six months later, I didn't even expect it. And I don't do it for that, but I just know like, the more you give, the more you get. So it was one of those things. Um, and, and I was generally pretty liberal with who could get on the calendar. And now I'm being a little bit more selective, putting a lot more content assets up front to try and get people to where they're understanding more of the method of the madness, how we work, what it does, being pretty upfront with that stuff. So then when the people are getting on the calls, the calls are shorter, the conversion rates are higher, the whole process right. is smoother. So I'm able to buy a lot of time back. And again, like keep the team smaller 
uh, while still producing great numbers. It, it like keeps your credibility high or it builds it quick. Um, and it builds their trust because you're like, you, you probably, I could imagine a scenario like this where someone goes, Hey, here's a check. And you're like, whoa, 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 no, no, no. We don't even know if we can even help you yet. Like, let's figure this out. And if we can, great. You know, and they must go, whoa, that's not normal. Cause any company you go to, especially sales company, I mean, you know, they probably are just like, great, let's do it. And then they just get poor results and then they're super pissed and then they just leave. Yeah. Yeah. And we're big on like, I tell everybody the criteria straight out the gate. Like if you don't have 10 call, qualified appointments a week, 20% close percentage, 2k or more offer in the 20 grand a month. Like I can't, I yeah. can't bring you sales reps. It's not going to work. Like I would, and, and the problem, like one of the big things about hiring salespeople is it's an aspirational thing. And it's also a thing that people think oh. will solve their problem when they're in the early stages. And it won't because they generally have a, a marketing or an offer or a messaging problem, but they think that it's, I suck at sales. Therefore I'm not converting. So I just need to hire a salesperson. Then I will start converting. But that's a logical fallacy that a lot of early founders have, end up making instead of being like, uh, oh, I'm not converting. It's probably because my offer sucks or my messaging is not working or it's not differentiated enough to, to hit hard. Um, and they don't. And that's, they just that's, a difficult, that's a difficult self-reflection to admit. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, and the, the thing is that it's a really agonizingly hard problem to solve. Yeah. So a lot of people just want to be like, Oh, I just like, I just need someone to do it for me. And it's like, that doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? You just yeah. gotta be, you gotta love your market. You gotta talk to your market a lot. You gotta understand what your market wants. You gotta understand what your market doesn't want. You gotta understand what the market thinks the problem is. You gotta know what the real problem is. You gotta understand the metaphors and analogies that help them understand yeah. it. Like you just can't do that if you try and shirk or shortcut the process of speaking with your market. No, and I totally agree with you. Now I have one more question for you, but just to give some context. So a lot of people that listen to our podcast, it's kind of a plethora of different scenarios. So like we have a lot of veterans, we have a lot of successful people like yourself, but we do have a lot of like new I say the same thing every podcast. We have a lot of new business owners and that could mean like they don't even know what a CRM is or they're just getting started or they're just considering and again, that little like e-commerce, uh, not e-commerce, uh, business bug in their head. Like I got to start something, you know, I'm really eager to do it. I just don't know what it is. So what's like the number one tip you could give someone that wants to start a new business or has a new business that'll save them years of wasted time? Um, okay. So I actually have two things. The one is just join the most expensive mastermind that you can't afford, <laughs> right? Like <Love> it. <laughs> find something that you're like scared shitless to do and spend the money to get in there because you're going to be around people who are on such a different level that it will change what you think is normal. Quick. Um, and, and then it like, you'll start to, if you just show up consistently to that, you'll start to pick up the patterns and like your, your life will change in a matter of three to six months usually. Um, so that's a big one. Like, but, and, and, and don't look at it as they're going to do the work for you. You have to show up and still do all that work. But like the thing that you can't afford, join that, like just change your financial thermostat on that level. It would be a big one. Um, and then the other one is like embrace the rejection and embrace the nose and embrace 
the mistakes because each rejection, each mistake is one step closer to the end thing that's going to work. Um, and so it's, it's not trying to avoid rejection or avoid pain or avoid failure. Instead, you're almost seeking it out in a way that through the process of accelerating that learning curve, you're going to get there. Like, like I don't know any salespeople that are amazing salespeople that didn't yeah. eat shit on 200 sales calls for six months or however long, right? Like it just- I feel like everyone goes through that though. Like and everybody like, wants to skip it too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is like, you got to really rewire your brain to almost be like masochistic in a way where you just like are, are okay with taking that kind of punishment because you know that like you're doing what everybody else wants to avoid doing. And through the process, you end up with something amazing because I'm a big believer of like, and if you look at the patterns of life, it's, it tends to hold true. Like, what short term feels good, long term is shitty for you, and what long what what sh uh, short term hurts is long term good for you, right? Like it's it's super hard to go to the gym and and eat right consistently in the short term, but in the long term, the payoffs are huge. Um, same with almost anything that you do. If you're learning a skill, you're gonna suck in the beginning days of the skill. It's it's hard to show up consistently and have that dedication. But in the long term, you're going to be grateful that you had that skill. And so, you know, it's like uh, Kanye says it. Why is everything that's supposed to be bad make me feel so good? Oh, yeah. He yeah. told me not to is exactly what I would. And it's that thing like like um, by being able to rewire your brain in the opposite direction, that's like huge to being able to unlock what you're looking for in, nope. in the long term. So it's really like no fluff. It's just like you really do have to have and change your mindset. And as uncomfortable and scary and expensive as that might be, it's like if you really want to pursue something, you have to like, you have to put some pants on, take the chance and just go all in. Otherwise, yeah. you'll spend years being like, it's been five years and I don't even have a client. Like, I don't even know what's going on. Yeah. And I mean, I love, I love the, the Muhammad Ali quote. And I think about it all the time. It's like, uh, I hated every minute of training, but I thought to myself, don't quit now, keep going and live forever as a champion. Right. It's like, it's good. that's, that's the thing. Like it's gonna suck in the short term. Yeah. And, and if Definitely. you're willing to, to pay those dues, like you can't imagine that Michael Jordan or Tom Brady loved all the sacrifices they made on the road to becoming legends right like well michael jordan i think got cut from his high school team yeah yeah and and uh and you look at it though like those guys like you know i, I you hear stories of tiger woods like after a tournament going to the driving range and swinging until his hands were bleeding and blistering and then showing up the next day and dominating everybody too and it's just like yeah that the, it doesn't feel good a lot of the times in the short term, but in the long term, there's nothing better than living your dream, right? Exactly. There's nothing better than taking a vision and making it a reality. And uh, you have to just understand that and prioritize and make your decisions accordingly. Yeah, agreed. Last thing I wanna mention is sort of just to add on to this, and I think it's a good time to stop. Um, there's a guy named Steve Vai, and I don't know if you're into like music or guitar or anything like that, but he's a guitar player. Do you know who he is? No, no. I love music, but I'm, okay. I'm more there's on the rap side. Okay. There's a guy named Steve Vai. Just search him up. 
it's super cool. There's a song called uh, Teeth of the Hydra. It's like, what? This guy is not a natural guitar player. And he's even said it. He's like, I'm not a natural guitar player. People think I'm just born this way. He's like, I've, I actually was awkward and it was not natural to me. I just put in the hours and work consistently for the past, you know, 40 years to do what he can do now. Um, and if you ever learn to play an instrument, it's, it's difficult and it's very discouraging. But yeah. the end result is you end up achieving what you or where you want to be at in your life. And you'll never regret looking back, you know? Yep. Totally really interesting. Well, again, we have Mike Mark. Hey, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Mike Mark of Coaching Sales coming out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I can't thank you enough. I had a great time with you today. Yeah, it was a blast, man. Thanks for having me. And um, yeah, if, if anyone wants to find me, you can just Mike Mark on Facebook or um, you also can check out coachingsales.com. That's where you'll find us. Perfect. And I'll add all your info that everyone can find you in the descriptions of all these videos that we put out. Thank you again. Perfect. Thanks, Daniel. See ya. Want more of Marketer's Mindset? Join our private Facebook group where agencies from all over the world share strategies, network, and scale their business together. Visit facebook.com slash groups slash marketers mindset to get instant access. Also, if this podcast impacted you in any way, please share it with friends and leave us a review on iTunes as that really helps build our community.